Gaming on the Frontier. And this is Jonathan. <laughs> Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of taking wacky ideas and making them into adventures. I mean, that pretty much describes most of what we do on a daily basis. On a daily basis? Well, you you don't have well, my family a, life. Well, me <laughs> a daily basis, remember, I'm running four campaigns. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Well, so I'm planning pretty much all the time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this uh, uh, Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. This week we are talking about, uh, well, I'm going to let Jonathan explain it. Jonathan. So the idea, and I'll, I'll go ahead and preface this by saying where the idea came from, and then maybe you'll understand. I'm sitting at home watching some music videos on YouTube in the background, and one video catches my eye, and it's called uh, Wake Up by Avicii. If you've never seen this video, understandable look it up on youtube when you have a chance but the basic premise is what can only be described as like a a dancing zombie virus i won't even say virus more like contagion one guy starts dancing uncontrollably and it starts to spread and i thought that's a weird idea i think that would be fun to run and not just but not run it comically let's run it serious how would you run an adventure where there is seriously a contagious dancing zombie virus so that was the idea then they expanded onto just wacky ideas wacky adventure hooks things that as i uh, described it to bruce and uh trav the basic plot lines from your schlock c movies your c horror movies like thanks killing where you have a demonic serial killer turkey and they made a series of that that wasn't just one movie how could you run that and not and the, with the imp- the goal of not embracing the wacky you could allow it of course because your players are going to be wacky no matter how hard you try but how would you take your wacky ideas and run them earnestly within your campaigns okay yeah um because one of my Bureau uh, 13 episodes that took place was about this guy that was trying to um he was actually working for space aliens uh, that was like a uh, disembodied consciousness, and he was trying to find candidates for people uh, from people that wanted to leave their present life and go on to something else. So he was looking for people who were really, really unhappy about their lives because they'd never been able to accomplish something that they wanted to do or whatever. And so he, he convinces them to, uh, to join this mind meld you know this the, this he, he refers to it as being uplifted you know this you know to uh, enlightenment you know and stuff like that and they finally agree to it and he basically gives them these drugs uh, which are part of the unhinging process of their brain from you know their mind from their body but it also um, creates insatiable desires of one kind or another. So whatever it is that they wanted to do, whether it was drinking themselves silly, you know, calling over uh, 
alcohol services, eating food, or whatever like that, they would engage in this enormous uh, uh, expiation, okay? At the end of which, you know, they would be exhausted on the ground, and he'd come and collect them and take them over to where they would do this service, and it was this estate uh, on, on basically on, on the Pacific Coast Highway, and um, and what you have is you have all of these old-fashioned televisions, CRT televisions, rising up in, in concentric circles, you know, from the ground, and the person stays in the middle, and and uh, and, and he and he basically looks out as the sun is just setting, you know, basically. You know, the rays are just bathing down upon them, and all of a sudden the televisions start lighting up. And each one has the, the mind of somebody in them, and they're each calling to the person saying, Be with me, be with me, I love this, I love that. You, you know, says, you know, and, and uh, you know, be, be my friend and be with me forever. And so the person is supposed to say, Hey, you know, you're a like minded person, I like you, I'm going to hang with you. And then they go, and then they all off into the, you know, into the sunset. End of story. Of course, this is a Bureau 13 adventure. So, of course, people are like shotgunning the televisions and trying to save this person and all this stuff like that. And just basically just causing just all kinds of, you know, craziness. So, but I mean, all the wacky people that, dis that are in these televisions, they're not really human anymore. I mean, they're disembodied brains, you know, disembodied intelligences. So, you know, they, they're kind of fixated on whatever it is that they were really liking in the past. You know, so it was just kind of like, where, you know, where do you want to fit in to for the rest of uh, rest of time in this great mind meld that's come to Earth to pick up another member or, or two? And uh, uh, <laughs> that was the scenario. So they, they, they thought for sure this guy was basically first he was a con artist because he was collecting money off these people, you know, because, you know, he has to live and be mm, they anymore. And they're not going to. They're not going to need the money after they're gone, because when they when the mind goes, the body just slumps down dead. Uh, yeah, and uh, and then of course he's using all kinds of you know illicit pharmaceuticals to do this job, you know, and this whole thing there. They were just so suspicious of him the whole time, and he's like, you know, what? What's wrong? You know, and they, this is already. Do you want to become enlightened? You know, like, let's talk about it says, what is it that you've never been able to accomplish? You can accomplish that, if not in this world, but in the next. And I don't mean heaven. So, I mean, it was a kind of a straightforward, um, you know, alien abduction kind of story, you know, with a willing participant. But this whole thing with the, uh, uh, you know, these people with these uh, uncontrol uh, uncontrolled appetites and this guy who's just like straight out of Barnum Bailey flimflam, or I should say, more like the guy that was in uh, uh, Wizard of Oz, you know, that kind of... Oh, the snake oil salesman. Yeah, yeah. it's like a snake oil salesman. Everybody got their hackles up as soon as the guy starts talking, because he just sounds so insincere, even though he's trying his darndest to be sincere. <laughs> so... Uh, so that that was that, that that kind of sounds a bit like the the kind of store uh, adventure you're talking about. Yeah, I had another idea that that uh, a thought that came to me as we were talking about this, and 
there's already um if you look through the bureau 13 uh source book uh i specifically remember the one from the 92 edition there's already a a, a major villain that to me at least already has kind of the wacky built in and that's uh Goshnar. Oh, Goshnar? Yeah. Yeah. I thought for sure you were going to talk about somebody else. Go on. I mean, because he's, you know, he is this ancient alien invader come to take over the people of Earth and and put his little, you know, mind control pods into into them until they mutate and become his soldiers. But the way it's described, he seems so inept. He just cannot get a break. Every time he tries to take over the world, everybody just puts him down and he has to go to sleep for a few thousand years yeah yeah they kill kill all of his quote children yeah so it it, it, to me that just it seems like he's he it's the perfect embodiment of that inept alien invader trope he's taking himself seriously and everybody's just blowing him off yeah like you're so easy to to you know i think the romans did it one time yeah or the end of all said first and the romans did it again and now he's back and just the bureau's just like, yeah, just light them on fire and let's go. This is even worth the wasting the gasoline. Come on, come on, yeah. guys. Yeah. <sighs> now, see, the person I thought you were going to talk about was Zorch, the prophet. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Where he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm seeing it. Yeah. Because Zorch, the prophet, is a um, is basically a, a sigh. He has the, he's a pusher, uh, if you know what that is in Psy Talk. He's someone who can basically change people's points of view, push them in the direction he wants them to go. And essentially everywhere, he, he always, every week he has a new battle he's fighting, whether it's the battle to uh, stomp out beats or, you know, uh, uh, that uh, the government is, uh, is, is putting cotton candy in the drinking water or some other really unlikely thing. And we he, must abolish hubcaps in our lifetime. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And uh, and he always manages, you know, just by talking, just by talking, he gets people to listen to him. And if they listen to him, then they start believing him and they bring their friends in and he just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until usually something happens you know they they grab they grab the 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 uh, modern day equivalent of the pitchfork and they head off to town hall or they head off to the water treatment plant <laughs> or they head off to the poor farmer who's growing the beets or the uh, local uh, farmers market to you know uh, to 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 you know write you know uh, uh, bring the balance back or whatever you know right the terrible wrong and Whenever this happens, somehow he vanishes and reappears somewhere else completely randomly and starts all over again. And this is his his life. He just does this, and he's a he's he's a, a very powerful side. Uh, but the fact that he always picks these really really uh, uh, trivial trivial issues. Yeah. He, does, yeah. he never goes after something important like you know uh, 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 you know. Uh, World hunger or venereal disease or, you know, or education or 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 social injustice. You know, it's it's all about if it is social injustice, it's about, you know, uh, you know what, you know, 
He says, "Why can't you know midgets be be president? You know what's up with that?" And it, the and, and why can't dogs get married? Why can't dogs get married? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. really, you know, look 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 at the people who are getting married. He says, "Do they deserve the sanctity of marriage?" No, but here you have unconditional love, two creatures of unconditional love who have love for each other. And are you telling me they don't deserve the the sanct the, the you know the the sanctum of marriage? I say they do. I I played Zorch before. It's fun. I was gonna say, heck, you almost yeah. had me going there for a second. You know, that's yeah. a damn good idea. I know it's, it's not hard to, 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 you know, it's not hard to, to get behind these kinds of ideas. And of course, if you can make up your facts along the way, which so often seems to happen, <laughs> you can uh, you can have a lot of really really. Please, good that's part of the game master union rules that yes. you got to do that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah, this is like you know, it, it's the the two rules are: when in doubt, make it up. And, um, you know, if, if, if anybody is bored, set something on fire or explode something. Those are the, those are the two number, number one and two rules for game mastering. Oh, damn. I've read a different book then. Uh, <laughs> well, it's been working fine for me for a very long time. Must be the southern chapter that, that we, yeah, I'm up here in the Midwest. Hey, I'm from Pittsburgh, dude. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm a transplanted Yankee. I I'm not saying I'm proud of it. I'm just saying I acknowledge it. But our and of son- course, and of course, there are all the Southerners down there. You do realize that accepting a problem is the first step in solving it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. First, you have to acknowledge the problem. <laughs> you may be a Yankee, but we still love you. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, my, my redeeming quality is that I is that I and the missus produced a uh, Georgia peach. Yeah. Our yeah. son. So. Yeah, he's good. Th- he's therefore, good therefore, we're we're you know, uh, you know, you know, we're, we're adopted in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he says, I still don't love NASCAR. Sorry, folks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me. I grew up next to the Talladega racetrack. Oh. I don't like NASCAR. Hey, I'm not saying I don't. I'm not saying I, I don't. I dislike NASCAR. I'm just saying, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan. Yeah. I just, yeah. you know, I, I, what was the, what was the movie uh, uh, with um, the Talladega Nights with Talladega Nights. Yes. Saw yeah. the whole thing. It's like not nah, just not feeling it, <laughs> and that's supposed to be like the you know uh, the evangel evangelical movie for NASCAR. <laughs> no, no, no. Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder. Oh, okay, Days of Thunder. I liked a lot more, but even so. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was Jonathan, the outcast. <laughs> Jonathan, you you should remember this part with with Talladega Nights. <laughs> oh, Lord, baby. Oh, baby Jesus, I'm on fire. Oh, Tom Cruise. Ricky, you're not on fire. Settle down. <laughs> I have never seen that movie because I was like, what What do I want to see in the documentary of my neighborhood? Oh, ooh, wow. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I carry that narrative in my bones. Thank you. <laughs> I've lived that movie. <laughs> yes, exactly. Jonathan's there like, it's in my blood. I can't escape it. See, yeah. that's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So, Jonathan, what else we got? Oh, let's see here. I was thinking of uh, another movie that re- that caught my attention for its in- innate wackiness and yet played fairly seriously was Critters. Okay. I've actually never seen that movie. So you're going to have to tell me about it. Yeah. 
basically it's, I've it's seen another ghoulies, like two or three editions of that very know? similar to that it's it's uh invasion by homicidal tiny fur balls kind of like uh tribbles like right? gremlins no like the tribbles from star trek okay like little fur balls okay with big pointy teeth mm-hmm. uh, but it, it was just the idea of being invaded by cute little fur balls and played straight and the, uh, that was one that they caught my attention and i was like yeah i i i really i guess thinking about everything i've, I've discussed so far i really want to run an adventure where the, the the players have to fend off a horde of tiny cute things that want to kill them you know they all have those little high-pitched voices come on guys we can't do it oh no well now i'm thinking of uh army of darkness with uh the evil the evil tiny little ashes in the in the, the farmhouse. Uh, yeah, well the whole yeah. thing you know the night uh uh night at the museum all of that was that like that yeah the the, the, the little roman and, and western armies yeah yeah absolutely oh yeah yeah so uh, or there's an idea right there night at the museum the 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 museum where the exhibits come alive at night because of the magic uh because Egyptian, of the magical uh tablet yeah. you know uh, wall thing but if you play it straight you know how does this team first? I mean, how does this team get access when you know we're closed and there's a night guard who won't let you in? <laughs> Use every every excuse he can think of to make sure you don't stay overnight. Or even oh, or even then the inherent comedy of they you know maybe pull some credentials and get access to the museum that night, and that night guard has to run around and tell all the exhibits stay quiet. And of course they won't. Of course oh, yeah. they won't. They can't. But maybe they can't they, stand it. But maybe they they can hold themselves together long enough to at least stay quiet when the agents aren't in the room. You mean when they are in the room? When they are in the room. So you have yeah. these agents constantly, <laughs> constantly hearing you leave the room, you hear, oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like, all you hear this you know, chittering sound and stuff like that. You turn around and run back in, and there's nothing. They try and set up cameras, and, and suddenly they just all seem to fail as the tiny little cowboys they all fall swing over. around and yeah, they knock all, them over. All the cameras fall over, you know. Or, or, oh, I want to run that now. See? Oh. Well, you didn't realize in the second one, uh, or was it the first one? Uh, the uh, at the end, all the previous um, night watchmen uh, who had somehow gotten like really beefed up as a result of being associated with this this uh, uh, invigorating uh, power that came from that made all the the various exhibits alive made them like super strong or whatever. Yeah. And they ended up first one. They ended up trying to take all the valuable things out of the exhibits and sell them. Uh, They were going to rob the, uh, the, uh, the museum and he, everybody, all the exhibits and their, and, and, and the, the new guard had to stop them. So, uh, you, they could be, they could walk in on that where, you know, they're trying to, you know, get in or whatever and all of a sudden things start happening and and uh they and they think they're going to stop a a a robbery and then all of a sudden the exhibit starts showing up to you know to back them up Mm -hmm. yeah and they're like they did three of those movies right yeah Yeah, i just i just found out i just found out a couple days ago my roommate found the third one and i'm like they made a third yeah I mean, this was it. Yeah. Was it the second one that had Albert Einstein? I know the second one was one of Robin Williams' final movies. Yeah. And then there were two. There was one other and some voice work that were released posthumously. You know, Robin Williams played the Teddy Roosevelt statue, right? And nailed it. Oh, and yeah. And just yeah. And then this third one, I yeah, I I 
I, I, don't, I don't know if he nailed it, years con old. considering, yeah. you know, I've never read really any of Teddy Roosevelt's writings, so, you know, they might Well, have... just, I've, I've seen, like, old films, you know, like, old 1901 films of the mannerisms. And yeah, just, I, I yeah. Think he, he, I'm sure he did that, you know. Well, uh, I, I don't, I don't. I don't remember if there was a, a third movie or not. You're saying there was. Okay, I don't. Yeah, saying, I, think, I, think, I think the second one was the one with Albert Einstein, and they were flying around uh, at some point. Um, and then... Uh, I so, think the second one is where they, they, they're, they're on, like, exhibits are on loan to another museum or something like that, and it happens to be... Because, like, the, the tablet was owned by, you know, the Egyptian mummy. And he was, like, the only, like, not wax figure in the in the museum. And it's what kept him alive. And right. and they visit another museum where, or maybe I'm thinking, maybe I am thinking of the third one. I, I, I know that there was, like, another ancient Egyptian being trying, the second movie was about another ancient Egyptian being trying to use the tablet to summon an army of, of demons, basically, of, you know, Dog-headed demons oh. and and take over the world. Okay. Right. And I, I know the third one was where they the storyline is they're shutting down the Smithsonian, so they're moving all the exhibits to England, and so that's where you got uh, Rebel Wilson was introduced in that one. Oh, okay. I know Ricky I, Gervais. I know Ricky yeah. Gervais was in the movies. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely didn't see it if it had Rebel Rebel Wilson. But yeah, she was like the night guard at the English Museum, and so oh, you know, yeah, Ben Stiller yeah. coming over, trying to help her understand what's about to happen. But yeah, then she, then you know, you get the impression that she's now the new night guard for. But she was har hardly in the movie until the very like beginning and end. But I, I, I've only seen the third one like once, and I can't even say I've seen it all the way through. I probably only caught bits and pieces of it, so okay. my memory. All right. Well, anyways, it's it's not about you know the the plot of the third movie or whatever, but yeah. it's the wacky. It's the wacky, yeah, the wacky. So, um, yeah, I mean, so any basically any uh, storyline where you give uh, so, uh, animation to something that shouldn't have it is going to introduce a a wacky element. Okay. Um, you know, you anything that talks normally, but then you give it personality, you know, that's going to add a wacky element to the story. Um, uh, that just reminds me of um, the the last unicorn, the alcoholic skeleton. Okay, seems that seems like a yeah. very frustrating position to be in because exactly, yeah. Yeah, I think they even address it. It's like, how how can you taste it? You don't have flesh. It's like, I remember just splashing it inside of his 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 jaw and letting just, it splash yeah, down his falling right spine. through the ribcage. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, let me see here. Um, uh, body swapping, especially gender body swapping or age body swapping, as part of the otherwise per, very per, you know very straightforward storyline. You know, Freaky um, Friday oh, is a trip that sticks around. I remember this old movie. I believe it was, I want to say it's Vice Versa, and it had Dudley Moore and Kirk Cameron, father and son, switch bodies. Oh, so, yeah. 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 There was another one with Fred Savage and Judge Reinhold. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, it is a trope as old as. as right. But like when you add cinema, it, when you add it to something that doesn't need it, then it makes it wacky. Oh God! There, oh, and it, uh, it was uh, Freaky Friday, mother and daughter. Oh yeah, yeah. But that was all about the mother and daughter just trying to live their lives. So, uh, <clears throat> it's uh, actually I think the perfect example of of what you're talking about, Bruce, is uh, my uh, wife and uh, 
oldest daughter have recently been been going on a, a Eureka marathon, watching the old sci-fi show Eureka. And ah, their, yes. You know, I hate when episodes. people say the old sci-fi show because I'm like, you know, it seems like uh, I, it seems like I was just watching that. <laughs> I think of it as old, as in when it was good. Anyway, um, classic. I use the word classic, there you sir. Go. There you go. Classic. Um, but there was one of the episodes in one of the later seasons where Jack, the sheriff, starts body swapping with random uh, members of the town. But it's during a uh, basically a, a, a survey by a member of the government who's trying to determine if these people need to not you know work here anymore because they're a you know potential threat to safety and government uh, national security. And he's swapping in during these interviews and during these. Uh, uh, observations. Right, yeah. Totally making them seem like they're unhinged. Exactly. <laughs> right. Complications, yes. Complications and conflict. That's what you're doing when you put in wackiness. So, uh, okay. Um, let's see what else I can think of. Um, uh, we talked about animation. Um, uh, of course, uh, uh, if you really want to jump the shark, just drop God into the storyline anywhere. Oh, no, I believe there was two movies that Bruce... I, I don't know, Jonathan, if you're old enough for this. You, you would have been... Oh, no, no, this this George Burns, the two. Oh, God, oh, no, yes. God, book two. Oh, yes. Yeah, and then, of course, we had the Almighty movies, Bruce and Evan with uh, Jim Carrey and Steve Carell. It was in the second one, Morgan Freeman played God. And for those extra wacky points, when you throw in God, you make him George Burns or Morgan oh, yeah. Freeman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and they played it that George Burns, an unassuming looking old man smoking a cigar. And well, Morgan Freeman, because, well, Morgan Freeman with the voice, you know. And, and now think, I'm thinking of the video gamer going, I can spell you. You know, just, wasn't Oh, oh God <laughs> 2 or Book 2 where he, you also had the devil also played by George Burns? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, okay. That's yeah, really wow. jumping the shark there. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And wasn't John Denver in. Both of those, he played the guy. He was in the, I the think first he was in one. one. He was yeah. in one. I don't okay. know about two. Yeah. Honestly, uh, I think a lot of it, you can go back and look at some of the, the wacky comedies from the 80s, and you can probably find some good tropes to throw into your modern-day campaigns. Well, you can like, go back to the 40s for things like, oh, God. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah true. But uh, what was it? Um, The the one that came to mind as we were talking about this was um, Mannequin. Oh, yeah. The, the princess. Yeah. Uh, Andrew trapped. McCarthy and uh, Kim yeah. Cattrall. Bailey Kim Cattrall. Yeah. yeah. The princess trapped in a in the form of a statue slash mannequin for hundreds of years, only only coming to flesh when a certain necklace is taken off her. Now throw that into your haunted mall. Oh yeah, yeah, right. So uh, and but see, you know, I, I'm trying to remember here because it's been a very very long time. Uh, but in mannequin, uh, I mean, you know. She's there. I'm. And he's just trying. He's, you know, he's just like this guy who's trying to, you know, work in the, uh, in the clothing department, and and ends up, you know, getting trapped there overnight and discovers this. I'm trying to think here. Was there anything that they that was actually in the storyline that they were trying to actually accomplish? Uh, there was a a villain who was like a a long long descendant of the the sorcerer who had cursed her. Oh. And he was trying to claim the the necklace. So it was and, all about and her. her. Oh, okay. And her as well. All right. So like, like yeah. Apparently, 
claiming the necklace would make her his bride. I, uh, yeah, see, see, to me, you know that that takes it out of the, the the wacky treating it seriously because she's no longer a wacky element. She's uh, she's like the main storyline. She is the MacGuffin. Yeah, she is the MacGuffin. So much also the same thing with. Uh, uh, Big Trouble in Little China, you know, all about the uh, oh the, yes. the girl, you know, the girl with the uh, green eyes, you know, and uh, um, and well, so, I can say you had a little bit of wacky in the sense that you had two. There were two, right? But essentially, it was still the story of this this um, uh, undead spirit that was trying to gain flesh again by defeating a mm. curse and using these people that just happened to show up with the you know the uh, the, the the real wackiness, I guess, would be. Uh, well, there's so much wackiness in the sense Well, that yeah, it's it big had, trouble in Little China. Well, yeah, it, but I'm saying it had a whole lot of uh, Chinese mythology and things like that. But most of that was played completely straight except for uh, Jack Burton, who just, just swaggered through it all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just... I think I've heard that there's 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 talk of a remake. Well, well not, not a remake. remake. A it, it's a they're going. The Rock wants to do it. Dwayne Johnson and they are going to give homage and a nod to Jack Burton. It might be Dwight Johnson's character might be driving. You know the semi. What was it? The Pork Chop Express. You know? Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, it's, you know, to me, it's fine um, because you know, I like I would like them to do more with this with the uh, the character of Jack Burton. You know, I, I, I and, uh, you know, I mean, Kurt, uh, Kurt Russell, you know, they're actually talking about doing a third um, uh, escape from. Oh, with him playing, you know, uh, Snake Pluskin. Playing Snake, yeah. Snake Pluskin. OK, so uh, I'm, I'm not really in favor of that, considering I didn't particularly like the second one, even though I loved all the actors that were in it. Oh, no, no. Bruce Campbell again has yeah. the plat the overdone plastic surgeon where you see the hair plugs there. Yeah. Oh. He's, yeah. He, uh, I mean, what I'm just saying is, is that, you know, the, the, the whole plot plot was silly, you know, <laughs> the first one was kind of like legit, you know, but the, uh, uh, and, but then they just, you know, went on, uh, yeah. The second one was played more, I think, more for the for laughs and for and, and, and for silliness. So well, I think well, let's I see, like escape, the escape from L.A. I think came out in the '80s, and I think what they did is okay. All the goofy L.A. things like hair plugs and Botox and plastic, they cranked it to 15 and said that's how society got. Right. That now, was I, I get yeah. it. But yeah. I'm just saying, though, is, is that, you know, at least one sense, they had more of a society. See, the one thing they didn't really seem to have in, in the first movie was, you know, how do you know, do, do, do they drop food to these people? How do these people survive? I mean, you know, no, no one there didn't seem to be any kind of an ecology going on. Like, no, you know, it wasn't like all the buildings were covered with roofs, rooftop farms. Or things like that, or it's, they, were, they were just left to fend for themselves. Or, or they well, were they were growing stuff out in, uh, um, in Central in Park. Central Park, yeah. yeah. If they'd shown anything like that, that would have been fine. But instead, all you had was nonstop gang warfare. So uh, it was just you know, I mean, and, and granted, even he was he, what, they they were the main storyline was get the president out, you know, blah blah blah, you know. So uh, yeah, and but. It would have been nice if they would have done a little bit more to make the uh, the environment organic because you know it's it's like okay we're about to drop you inside of you know New York City. Um, he says you do have the option of being euthanized. 
Wow. If, if you'd prefer not to go into New York City being what it is, you know, and, uh, and of course, you know, Sounds snake, like today. Yes. Snake Plissken, of course, is going in there with a, with a job, with a purpose. You yeah, know, if he can if he can pull it off, he basically gets to walk away. And uh, so, uh, so. <laughs> well, I think back in the seventies, you weren't really picking apart movies like they do now. So yeah, they just oh, no, threw they this bare bones thing mm-hmm. and said, okay, yeah, New York's become a prison. We're gonna have this criminal then, go in, and then L.A. became now. a prison. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just saying, is it I, you know, uh, you know what's next? Uh, you know. Uh, uh, Toronto becomes a prison because, of course, that's where all the movies are done these days. <laughs> you know, all the Stargate to, was ba- or was, Vancouver, yeah, Vancouver, Vancouver, yeah. You know, Vancouver becomes a prison, or because that way you, you can do all your filming. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, yeah. So, but like I said, is in those cases, uh, you know, the wackiness that was brought up by Bruce Campbell that was wacky. Okay, that. Oh yeah. But I'm saying mo- uh, the first movie wasn't terribly wacky. Um, it was more of a, uh, very much of a post-apocalyptic, uh, you know, uh, crazies, you know, in this area without any role. And of course, you know, most post-apocalyptic films that came out of the seventies and eighties didn't make any sense at all. <laughs> you know, my, oh, and of course, if you want to talk about wacky apocalyptic films, hell comes to Frogtown. Unfamiliar with it. Never heard yeah, of it. Yeah, about the, yeah, huh? I'm the only person who's seen this. Okay, so you have, uh, it's post-apocalyptic. Uh, most uh, uh, most guys are sterile. Uh, the, uh, mutation happens a lot. And, uh, uh, and wi- uh, th- there is a, basically a short list of women who can reproduce, okay? Uh, and they are like kept very, very, you know, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're kept carefully uh, secluded mostly. Yeah. And there is an even shorter list of guys who can do the deed. So played by Roddy Piper, uh, he is put into a male chastity belt so that he so he does not waste <laughs> his potential. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but he's being sent into Frogtown where they're all humanoid frogs because they've abducted one of the uh, breeders one of the women okay. who can reproduce. And so it's his job to get her out. And if he does, then uh, I, I forget whether he actually gets a benefit out of this, uh, other than the fact that he does get to have sex. Uh, and uh, because they were planning on, you know, studying him out anyways. So, uh, you know, and 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 it, and, it, and his co-stars, um, uh, can't think of her first name, her last name is Sondal. Uh, the, the, the co-star Sandal Bergman, Sandal Bergman. Thank you. Okay. She's the co-star as the, uh, uh, uptight, um, uh, woman who's like watching over him and making sure he doesn't, uh, misbehave at the same time. Of course, you know, she wants to have babies too. So that's, that's where the tension comes in, but she has to go along with him and, uh, you know, and, and keep, and, and keep charge of him. And he's of course, Mr. Roddy Piper <laughs> in full Roddy Piper, you know, behavior. Oh you know? yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, if you got the Piper, you got to have it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and really, you know, I'm saying is it is, there's a lot of, um, heart, uh, in this movie, you know, there's, there's a lot of, of, of nice elements to it and such, you know, uh, and it's just a total weirdo 
kind of scenario because of the fact that, you know, he's he's basically a, a government stud who has to go in and rescue this girl, you know, from the middle of all these uh, 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 humanoid frogs that basically want to breed with her themselves. So, you know, he has to rescue her before that happens. And of course, she's she's caught the eye of the king frog, so he's making a big production about their marriage, which gives them their window of opportunity to get in there and, and get her out. So, you know, but it, it goes on and on. So, uh, the, uh, yeah, um, pretty much like that. Um, uh, anybody seen, uh, Ice Pirates? Oh, yes. Long ago, but yes. Yeah. yeah. Ship so, has herpes. What's that? Uh, the ship. It's got herpes. Yeah. Okay. I'd forgotten that. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, the scenario is basically, you know, ice, ice is really, really rare and therefore pirates are stealing it. And they're trying to put a stop to the pirates. But everything about this culture is completely wacky. You know, they, uh, I mean, completely wacky. They, uh, and it, it, was a, it was a great, you know, romantic vehicle for uh, Robert Urich. Robert yep. And uh, was, it, was it Nancy? Uh, Mary Crosby, no. Angelica Houston, and Ron Perlman, a very oh early gosh. role for Hellboy. Yeah. yeah. Well, he wasn't Hellboy yet. So, yeah, but. Uh, yeah, so all these, you know, really great actors and they were do and and it's one of those movies that's totally fallen off everybody's radar. So, uh but as a science fiction space fantasy, it's really well done, you know, in that sense, you know, but totally wacky. So, uh, you know, I mean, uh, the the audience except for the fans, you know, except for the people who love genre, uh didn't like it because, you know, it was they were like, you know, why, why couldn't you just done a straight, you know, romantic comedy with these people? Yeah. And they were like, wait, but that wasn't the point. The point was to do this story with these great actors and, uh, and this really weird premise. So, um, anyways, they, they do that. And, uh, I ended up, uh, I'll, I'll keep going. I'm sorry. All right. I'm just saying that's, that's, uh, I think that's a good example of a, of a show that had, extra wackiness built into it they had real i mean you you could have cut it out and you still would have had the main storyline but you know all the 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 weirdness the 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 pirate the pirate guy that had all the uh replacement parts and so he had to like you know the part he needed when he was trying to uh woo uh uh, the the, the, main, uh, the main female lead he had to i think he had to like you know he's pulling on it like you're trying to get her lawnmower going Oh, jeez. You had to get that thing going so everything would get going, you know. And and ultimately, you know, he just kind of explodes because parts just kind of finally fall into dysfunction. And um, she escapes. But, uh, you know, that's uh, that may be, a, I think that's that movie, but it could be an entirely different movie. I don't know. There's some really wacky space movies out there, you know. Um, you know, the... Uh, the story, uh, the movie uh, called uh, Oblivion, which uh, was was really a straightforward western, uh, where you know there was this this bad person who was uh, you know this this robber baron or whatever. That, I mean, that was uh, an outlaw that, that was hung out in the badlands. But every once in a while, we'd come into town and terrorize the citizens, and then the uh, uh, the main characters had to uh, uh, to deal with it, 
except that the except that this and, and this is taking place on an alien planet. So and the deputy is a android and uh, uh, and George Takei uh, is playing like the uh, you know Hop Singh character. He's playing this uh, herbalist or whatever in town, and I forget who the act uh, who the actual lead was. But I'm just saying is that you know it it was like okay let's go ahead and do this this basically straightforward western that we lifted out of the 1940s, put it on an alien planet, and dress everybody up as aliens and androids, and they they shoot lasers. Oh, and uh, and they have uh, 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 there's there's fans like big room fans up on poles blowing down to air condition the, the town. Just one weird thing after another going on. Uh, I, I, I'm looking it up now. They've either called it Oblivion or Alien Desperados. It yeah. came out in 94. Right. Yeah. It, it was, I saw it when it was called Oblivion. It, was, it came yeah. out from uh, Full Moon uh, Productions who uh, produced just a ton of wacky films, including the entire Puppet Master series. Oh, uh, yeah. Including the, uh, uh, oh, what was it called? Uh, uh, I can't think of it. It was a vampire series. Um, and, of course, Oblivion 1 and 2. In the second one, they had, like, scorpions uh, and this girl with a whip. <laughs> so, um, I'm just saying, you know... Uh, uh, Full Moon Enterprises, you know, those, bless their hearts, they, uh, they, they, they really learned how to, you know, they would go into these third world countries or second world countries that were just coming out of, of uh, 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 the, the uh, control of the, of, of the Russians who were desperate for any kind of money coming into their country and just say, yeah, we'll do whatever you want. <laughs> and they, you know, half the people there, you know, were speaking like, you know, uh, Romanian and, uh, you know, except for the couple English actors and, and uh, or the couple that were, you know, had multilingual. And you were just like, where is this taking place? <laughs> you have no idea. And uh, just, gr just great stuff. Just great stuff. And uh, really schlock uh, motion pictures. But they had lots of wacky in them. So if you're looking for something, you know, to, to say, hey, I want a straightforward science fiction slot or horror, or whatever, but I want it to be wacky. Full Moon is really, you know, I'm sure they have an entry in Wikipedia, and a full list of their movies, and you could probably get lots of inspiration from those. Oh, yeah. Uh, one other film that I, I was just thinking about, as we mentioned, um, Ron Perlman, I Sell the Dead, from 2008. Okay. Have you seen this? I, it's I, a, I don't think so. It's a horror comedy. Uh-huh. About two grave robbers yeah. who unwittingly unleash a vampire slash zombie plague. Okay. I think I they might have to, seen it, but I just yeah. don't remember it. Yeah, they managed to kind of like keep it low-key. You know, you don't have too many zombies running around. But yeah, it's basically... Jonathan, the, what's the name of this? I Sell the Dead. Uh, but yeah, Ron Perlman is, is in it in a supporting role. But yeah, it's... Two grave robbers who accidentally uh, uncover a body that was buried at a crossroads with a stake in its heart and garlic around its neck. And, well, that, and that's that also the scenario sense. of like a 1940s horror film with Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's just superstitious stuff. Let's just grab it. Yeah, they basically, they're like digging 
Pete out of the out of the bog and they find, you know, a coffin buried in it with a with a, a body inside with a stake in his heart and they're like, Look at this, someone's someone's committed sacrilege against this poor bot this poor soul <laughs> pulls out the stake, you know. That was a mistake. The body, mistake. I think the body turns in the mist and flows away. They come back. Where did it go? I didn't take it. <laughs> you know, and uh, and then you know the plot proceeds from there. Yeah, it's got Ron Perlman and Dominic Monaghan from Lord of the Rings. He oh, played uh, Pippin. Yeah, yeah. And this came out when? Two thousand eight. Shoot, that must have been right after Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Okay. I I, I have a feeling I saw this. But I just don't remember it because I've seen so many. Yeah, Ron Perlman plays a priest who's uh, interrogating one of the the grave robbers. After oh, the, the oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, now I do remember it. Okay. Yeah. I, and yeah. I know the surprise ending. Yes, I know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 I remember it now. Yes. Yeah. Well done. Very well done. Um, I, I recommend it as a movie. Um, <laughs> And uh, but uh, and yes, it is a horror comedy. So uh, yeah. All right. Uh, let's see here. Um, you know, other good sources of these kinds of things. You know, I, I mean, there's so many movies over over the. I I, I mentioned it a bunch of times. You know that uh, Return of the Living Dead is one of my favorites uh, because I mean it's a it's a fairly it's a straightforward zombie film in the sense that the storyline is uh, new guys working at a um, uh, at a medical slash laboratory supply house. Basically, all the bodies that they use in dissection classes and things like that, they all they all come from this warehouse. All right, you know, and I mean, so they, you know, cadavers are in like shrink wrap and things like that, and and they've got like you know s- s- frogs and all kinds of things like that. And they're all like packaged up and they're whatever. And these guys are new. And they're going around trying to get their feet under them to, you know, because it's a really weird place because of all these really weird things, okay? And they find in the basement, there's these barrels, which have big signs on them, danger, blah, 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 you know, whatever, you know, and they mess around with them and they open one. And it is the, and it turns out that it is the material that caused the original Dawn of the Dead movie problem. It's this material called trioxin. And of course they get a heap and big breath of it and during the rest of the movie slowly are turning into zombies. The uh, 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 And of course it's played entirely for last. These guys are just hilarious about each other. You know, there's there's the one guy that the one guy who's like the guy who's been there forever, you know, he's the old hand and he says, what did you do? You know, and there's the new guy. And but they both get and they're both changing. Um, and it, it flows out, um, and of course it goes all through the warehouse. So now all the corpses of animals and, and, and shrink wrap bodies are all coming alive. And, um, uh, and they're trying, and they're trying to figure out how do we get rid of these bodies and such. So they take them next door to a mortuary and the mortuary, which is run by a guy who's, you know, he's a mortician. And but he likes to wear like uh, hot pants and uh, and 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 double, you know, twin revolver, uh, you know, Colt revolvers on his hips. You know, he's he's like a cowboy. Uh, that's that's just stick how he you know when he works. He likes to do that. And so he's uh, I mean, his, his name is the actor's name is Clue Gallagher. 
Um, and uh, okay, I think I've heard of him. Yeah, right, right. And uh, he's a character actor, been in a ton of stuff. Okay, and so he, he says, "Well, okay, you owe me a lot, but I'll put him into the uh, uh, I'll, I'll put him into the the furnace, the the crematorium, and we'll just burn it up, and it'll all be gone, and and nobody there won't be any questions." And they do. Unfortunately, this does not destroy trioxin. Okay, instead, it goes up as smoke and 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 vapor or whatever as they're as they're trying to cremate it and spreads out over the entire neighborhood. Now they're coming up out of the graveyards and things like that. Oh, you know, and the, in the graveyards, a local punk group has decided to have a little party, including nude dancing, drinking, and various acts of. Uh, Desecration, you know, you know, uh, uh, debauchery, graffiti, yeah. graffiti, and yeah. stuff like that. Okay. Yes, they're drinking and stuff like that. So now they have they're fighting zombies and other things like that is going on. So I'm just saying the movie has a ton of wackiness in it because, like, they're they, they at one point they they have this dog that's been split in half because that's how it's displayed. Both sides of the dog are barking. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, you've got the mounted fish, and the fish are flopping. Okay, you've got birds; the birds are moving. You know, on the, the and they're still attached to the frames. You know, because they're glued down and stuff, and they're all doing stuff. You know, and and they're trying to explain to Clue Gallagher. You know what what's in the bags are going to be saying rabbit, uh, rabbit, um, squirrels, and uh, it's only. And when he and when he finally starts seeing the the human bodies coming in, he's like, "Ah, what's up?" You know, and they try to explain it to him, and he's finally like, you know, he's he's can finally convinced, and he says, "Well, okay." But the whole point of it is, is the movie just keeps rolling along, getting worse and worse. No matter what they try to do, they're not making it any better. It's just getting worse. And finally, at the end, the government gets involved and says, "Okay, we're just going to drop a nuke." on the whole place and solve this problem, which of course doesn't get rid of the trioxin. It just spreads it further. And you know, from that point on, and they were two sequels to this movie. Yeah. Okay. The second one was basically a retelling of the first one, just in a different location. Okay. The third right. one took place after everything went to hell with zombies and was about a government installation trying to find a use for these zombies. They were trying to turn them into super soldiers, you know, and of course it goes ah. terribly, terribly wrong, of course, you know, as it always does. Uh, starred uh, Kent McCord. Uh, as, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Adam and, uh, yeah. Right. And the one, I, I, uh, Sarah Douglas, uh, the woman. Ursa who, from super, uh, Christopher Superman Reeve, 2. Superman. Yeah. yeah. Superman 2. Ursa. She yeah. plays the mad scientist. Oh yes, yeah. She yeah. She got various villain roles throughout the eighties and nineties. I think she was even in Stargate. You saw. Oh yeah, that's uh, Ursa from. You know. No, the one I I think wacky eighties movie, and it it was a bomb. It came out like same same year Back to the Future, and I've probably mentioned this movie before. And it's you know teenagers. They're a little risque. They're a little goofy. A lot of stereotypes. Uh, the movie had Dennis Hopper and uh, Fisher Stevens from uh short circuit my science project okay i remember yeah. my science project yeah. where the guy goes to a military base with his geeky girlfriend they find the device and every time they hook it up to power weird time space stuff happens okay all throughout this high school and dennis hopper of course is playing the ex-hippie science teacher because well he's dennis hopper and just the one scene i remember is you know finally this thing is hooked up to like the power grid and just time and space is opening everywhere 
And you got the jock, the geek, the the geeky girl, you know, the normal guy who's wrapped up in all this. Yeah, the pretty girl who 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 wants to to marry the sports star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the tropes. Uh, basically, the, all the, the teenage tropes. Yeah, the muscle car guy that that the geeky girl's his girlfriend. Oh, okay. And they go into a military base and they walk off with this device that was found at Roswell. But I just remember the one scene from the trailer where they're sneak, they're trying to sneak around. And of course, the Vietnam War. So they've got M-16s and they're trying to defend themselves. And they go into the gymnasium and there is one light coming down. And it is this Roman gladiator or centurion with the gladius sword pulling the sword out of a body. I don't know who it is. And you got the muscle car guy and the geek and they're the ones looking through the door. And this guy just growls something at these two in Latin. And the muscle car guy says, what did he say? And the geek just looks and goes, he's going to kick our asses. (laughs) 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 And just... I'm, all these weird movies. I'm thinking, oh yeah, kids' weird science, uh, kids' science project. They find something that's been discarded or stolen, and all that happens. Oh no, that 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 might have the roommate track down that movie just because I haven't seen it in like forty years. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, because sometimes the wacky is just the 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 environment it's in, uh, and that reminded me of another uh, '80s movie supernatural horror. It's Monster Squad. Oh, I remember. With all the monsters working together? Well, we, for the most uh, part, yeah. Like part. all the universal... 85? Oh, you, oh okay. The, what is it? You had the what uh, about Dracula, the Wolfman, okay. the Creature from the Black Lagoon, and, and Frankenstein's monster versus basically the Goonies. Yeah, and these kids are all trying to fight. And you had like, they were all eight or nine, ten years old. And then you had the teenager, the older guy. And I remember him, it was a vampire and he goes, you know, he's got like these arrows. They're basically dowels sharpened to a point. And all of a sudden they're going like, Bob, what are you doing? He just, he knocks one of these big ass arrows and he just says, I'm a member of this GD monster squad, aren't I? And just puts one of these dowels right through a vampire. Um, (laughs) Because I, I also do remember the part where, we need a virgin female to read this. And it they have who knows German. It's this old German prayer that will, you know, stop. And this girl reads it and it doesn't work. And then they just all look at her and she's like, what? <laughs> oh my God, you did what? And so it doesn't count. Yeah. It was just the, this. Yeah. It yeah. Count. Yeah. Yeah. That's what she, yeah. So. And it, he was a character actor from the 70s, Frederick Semino. And he's there having, he's reading in German. And there's like the six-year-old baby sister of, you know, these 10-year-old kids mm-hmm. is the one who reads it and breaks the spell and everything is saved. And yeah, oh no, I remember, that was something I remember seeing in the theaters. One of the lines from that that stuck with me forever was they're exploring the haunted house. Because of course there's a haunted house. Oh yeah. And the wolf man shows up and he's, you know, Got the two like the these kids, you know, separated. Oh, I know this line. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, kick him in the nards. What? Kick him in the nards. Howls and they both go. Wolfman's got nards. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> as soon as I heard you winding that up, I knew um, what the pitch mm-hmm. was. Gonna so be. what you're telling mm-hmm. me is that Drew Barrymore's character from ET basically saved the day in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Monster Squad, 19, it yeah. came out graduating. The, 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 the little baby sister reading the German. Yeah, but they yeah, also did, yeah. 
honestly, I can I can even still remember now one that the ending of that because Frankenstein's monster was like the one monster that was like not evil and you know well, you his, know he, he isn't really exactly yeah he was just you know but yeah he he actually kind of becomes friends with the little girl of course he, he's the classic example of what we what my wife and i said for years which is is that human beings are made you know not you know says you know children are not are little animals that need to be turned into human beings <laughs> okay, you know, you make a, a man-sized, super uh, super strong baby, you know, uh, uh, Frankenstein's monster, and then you abandon it, you get what you get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is, yeah. you know, which is the tragedy of it, which is that if he had just given, shown it, you know, the the humanity that he, that the, the scientists lacked, you know, he didn't have the humanity necessary to, to, uh, make this this creation into a human being and so as a result he ended up being a monster well that that's yeah. the whole thing it's that whole he's not evil he's just misunderstood yeah but yeah his ending in that movie again kind of show how they kind of play it straight his ending made me cry even when i saw it later as an adult because it was like no no Frankie, Frankie. yeah no. yeah yeah <laughs> all right well jonathan wrap it up all right, so I hope that <laughs> through our discussions uh, here, we've given you some ideas and shown the benefits of throwing a little bit of wacky into what might otherwise be a serious situation or a serious adventure, because it helps add, add a little bit of levity. It helps keep things fresh. And at the same time, you can still play it serious. And that also, there's so much inspiration out there. Again, just take a look through your, you know, 80s and 90s B and C schlock horror movies. And you can find some wonderful inspiration for your next uh, adventure hunting the supernatural. Um, did you guys have anything else you wanted to contribute or add? No. No, um, I, of I course mean, I gave a, you a list and and uh, we we talked about maybe one or two of them, but that's fine. There's <laughs> um, a, we can always revisit this in the future. Yeah, of course, folks, uh, contact us on fans of Gaming on the Frontier podcast on Facebook, uh, Bureau Thirteen Agents everywhere on Facebook, Fringe were the RPG fans also on Facebook, uh, iTunes I believe since this podcast is also dropped there. Questions, comments, constructive criticisms, we welcome them all. Share your wacky stories. Yeah. Send all your hate to Trav at Gmail. Yeah. No, 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 no. Bruce, what, what was it that Eric the Enabler used to say as he'd, you know, click his fingertips together? We await your angry letters. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> uh, but visit us next week for more bringing the fun into your game, the wacky or the serious, or who knows. But you'll have to wait until next week to find out. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast.
Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.